Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Okay. The Fan Morning Show. Justin and Ailish. Interesting tone to start the show, Ailish. Uh-oh. What's on your mind? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> sports. <laughs> it's like we might go the trifecta of negativity today when this it comes to the Toronto's dumb. major sports team. Honestly, thank God the Argos won on Sunday because Jays and Leafs might have some unfavorable news for some fans that aren't interested. It's in... the best news of the bunch. Okay. And Raptors, they're... They got some other news that might not be great for the bunch. So we got to find some positivity, squad. I don't think we're going to find it in our brief Blue Jays discussion. I have some positivity to okay. start the show. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that for as long as <laughs> we need to. It is a very special day here at the Fan Morning Show. What's what's going on? It is our lovely Josh's birthday. Oh! You thought we didn't know? Your mom emailed me yesterday. Your mother oh, you're emailed him me. Right away, eh? Your mother emailed you me said, you to say it said, was your birthday today. Is it not? Is it your birthday? He's smiling. Josh, come on the radio. <laughs> is it not? Your mother emailed me. Carrie. You could have said, hey, I remember. She's a, No, I wanted to be to embarrass him. Carrie emailed me. Um, Hello, Ailish. I am Josh's mom, and I just want to let you guys know it's birthdays tomorrow. So that's very sweet. That is nice. Happy birthday. June 20th. I'm a little worried that my mom has your email. She found it on the internet. I won't, I won't explain how, but it came from a, well, now, an now interesting people, source. Now people know they can find I your email. Her. I love Carrie. She found my email. She sent me a, a private email, and I could not wait any longer. It's 6.01 to say happy birthday, Josh. Thank you. We well, love happy birthday, you. Josh. Thank Let's, you, guys. Can you play the clapping I'll, for yourself? I'll applaud myself. Yes, please. That means it's a small donut day. Thank you, guys. Birthdays. Mine's less than a month out. I just looked at the what halfway through June. I'm mostly through June. We'll have to have a big party. Someone will have to email me. Yeah, I'll tell you when it is. My birthday. <laughs> you could send the email. My birthday is the same as a very large gas station chain. Oh, I was like, what? It's. Uh, I mean, it's. I guess it's gas. Is it not more convenience? Convenience and gas. Okay. We share the same numbers. Why don't I trust the gas from that place? It's like a <laughs> weird know. thing. It's weird, like, right? Should I get gas there? You gas know, there? actually, on my birthday, I believe that this said gas station with some numbers gives out free Slurpees. Really? I think so. Are you one of the so, people that goes around to different... No, I've never done that before. No? Never. But we should get a list for Josh of places he can go today with free stuff. That's actually a good idea so that I can know for my birthday when it comes and you share a birthday with my brother i guess i'm so, not going to so, be able to <laughs> i remember that one be able to get that by you eh? but there there's a lot of establishments today we'll find i know you get if you go to that famous coffee shop from seattle you get a free stuff today yeah yeah i I'll, think I'll there's an ice cream there. place okay that you can go to okay we'll chat no free okay. promo right but I'll send you a list. I wonder, like, if you really, really, like, you wanted to make a day of it. Your birthday is spent getting it. free things. Like, how many stops you could make. I, I think in the city, you could probably find 10 places at a bare minimum that do stuff. Yeah, I think you could do 10. 10 plus. Double yeah. digit for sure. How busy are you today? Uh, how desperate are you for well, free because things? Because I decided not to take the day off. 
not busy at all. Yeah, you're a grinder. Yeah. I saw you in the parking lot this morning and I wanted to go over and I'm like, no, no, I'll just I'll save it for the radio. <laughs> but we'll have to get you some small donuts. I know you won't eat them, but we'll we'll try. Okay, we'll you earned it. Shove them into your face. So that's our big positive morning story. Okay. Can we hover on it for any longer? <laughs> um, so do you remember your favorite birthday? Is this a real question? Yeah, no, I don't. Same. <laughs> I think you do. You, know, that's, you don't? You know, no, I legitimately don't. I, my husband's smack dab in the middle of summer, so no, you were never at school for something like decorate your locker or mm-hmm. do like cupcakes at school. I love that, by the way. Mine's in the summer, too. I loved that my birthday was in the middle of summer, okay. so it could be ignored. Wow. I didn't want like the PA and the cupcakes and this, like the responsibility, everybody looking at me when I was in grade six. So there's no memorable ones really for me during elementary school because every single time I was like at hockey camp or like shooting pucks at the garage door. And- Did they do this for you in elementary school? They like Because they, they do the birthdays on the PA system. They're like, mm-hmm. happy birthday to Jin- John- Johnny. I just did <laughs> Jimmy and Johnny together. To Johnny in grade six and miss whoever's class. Yeah. Uh, but at the, the end of the year, like, now we're going to do the summer birthdays. Oh, and they, they just run through all. like it's in memoriam. It's like, <laughs> these are the people. Here's everybody in July, yeah. and you're just part of a and list of 20 kids. And now the August kids. birthdays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't recall. But I was always like, I liked decorating my friend's lockers and making a big deal out of it. But when July rolled around, it was just like, well. So no one did it back in return for you? Like you went the extra mile for them and they didn't like show up at your house? Well, yeah, I, mean, I celebrated my birthday, but it's just different because, like, if you're trying to think of when you're in elementary school, those were always so fun. You'd have a little, like, pizza party and, like, everybody knew it was your birthday. But summer birthdays, we have our own perks. Longer daylight, warmer weather. You have a nice little barbecue. Get the grill guys going. Mm. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, how did that go, by the way? It's great. Good. I didn't have to fight anyone off. Nobody was in the grill mood on a bristles? Monday. <laughs> my bristles are... They're bristly? My bristles are bristling. <laughs> <laughs> what was... Like, let's, uh... Oh, here we go. This is a good text. Connor and Keswick. This is true. Can't complain about summer birthdays. I'm a week before Christmas. The worst. Yes. Combined gifts and no outdoor parties. You're right, Connor. Yeah. I always tough. wonder about those folks that are that are right around Christmas, born on Christmas, Christmas Eve. It's like, do you get separate? Like someone wraps it in Christmas and somebody wraps it in like, like balloons. And then you know which one's Christmas, which one's your birthday. I just don't think you, it's just a combined I feel like you don't get a birthday, honestly. Like, you could fake it, but I feel like you don't get it. Is that the worst time to have a birthday? Five ninety, five ninety, Or do you love it because you just get like It depends on who you smash are. Smash it if all out of the park If you want it to day. be ignored, it's a great time. If you don't want it to be ignored, it's a terrible time. I'm also curious. And that's also off school. True. If it's that close well, to yeah, Christmas. yeah, true. You get nothing. Just, oof. <laughs> That'd be a nightmare for you. <laughs> yeah, that is, must be the worst you time. You want celebration. Birthday. That must be the worst. We're going to have to decorate your locker here. You don't have a locker. We're going to have to decorate something that you call your own. We'll do something fun. Um, what What's the best year of your birthday? Champagne birthdays? This is definitely not Josh's champagne birthday. No, it's yeah. not. <laughs> You're not I 20. mean, you don't have to snicker no, like no, that. No, You're not that far like, removed. Like, yeah, hey, no. I don't look that old. No, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Anyway. Okay, cool. Five ninety-five ninety. Let's talk about as much positivity as we can today birthdays, celebration. You can send Josh a nice message. Mm-hmm. Say happy birthday to him. He makes this show run smoothly, so we appreciate it. And you can play all of your favorite tracks today, Josh. Whatever you want. You just, it's your world. It's your birthday. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I actually want to know what the, the Josh playlist is. Yeah, I'm okay, looking well, forward to We're going to get all five songs. Josh bangers. Let's go. Josh bangers. <sighs> um, okay. We did pretty good there. 
lasted about eight minutes. That was actually, that's a long birthday preamble. <laughs> Thank you for having your birthday today because let's go to Blue Jays. Oh mm. my God. You thought blowing a 6 nothing lead, lead was pretty bad. I think maybe we might be... We might be hitting rock bottom here. An 11 nothing loss to the Miami Marlins. We had position players pitching. Poor Ernie Clements. The kid is like, oh, I'm I'm going to pitch. Thank you. This is my use as a major leaguer. What a what a moment. Oh, it's kind of it's kind of gross feeling. It is. It is a gross feeling. It does kind of feel like rock bottom. I will say, though, like it kind of felt really bad. Like I said yesterday off the top, maybe one of the worst losses of the season. And this one was maybe worse than the one before. Um, It's not a good spot to be in right now. And I don't know really how they're going to get themselves out of it. Because as we talked about yesterday, like one thing affects the other. I mean, they just came off the bullpen day. And then the Bassett start where you Mm -hmm. use the bullpen. And then you tax the bullpen again with Barrios. And then you're looking forward here to a Kikuchi start. And it's like, where... It, where's the escape? Where's the where's the Maybe valve? Maybe Kevin Gosman on? on Wednesday. That's it, but every but fifth the turnaround day. from Wednesday at noon and tonight's game is still short. Like there you go. It's, it's not factor. an easy rip around when you've used the bullpen as you mentioned. Forty of the last seventy two outs. One in guy, three one, days. One guy been... who can actually soak up innings isn't enough, though. And, and I understand we were talking about Brios being like a really, really positive uh, thing from this Blue Jays season just yesterday. So it's not like it's just that. Mm-hmm. But this is the situation now and this week and in the last couple of weeks. And now looking forward, it's like this team can't get out of its own way and it's taxing its own resources mm-hmm. at a rate to which they can't keep up with. Basically three back-to-back, bu- back, back-to-back bullpen days, 40 of the last 72 outs in three days were through relievers or position, position pitchers. And a lot of runs scored between those 40 a outs. hell of a lot of runs. Pearson and White. Last night, go back-to-back days when it showed they were not sharp. Poor, I, I felt for Pearson because he's working through, you know, confidence, I believe, injury stuff. You put him back out there when the game was kind of out of reach, and he looked, he looked brutal. But, mm-hmm. I mean, and this was a Blake Murphy stat. His ERA a, a day ago was 196, and it's 488 after 29 hours mm. of life. It's just tough to see that, tough for a guy to regain, regain confidence, but you're running low on options. And Daniele's favorite <laughs> favorite pitcher made a reappearance yesterday. And it's spooky season. Like, you're getting names of folks we're running thin on. Where's Ricky Tiedemann? Where's Hanjun Ryu? Like, people are just throwing names out of anybody that could be available to come up to play for this team. And, I mean, Hanjun Ryu is a And we're talking, away, about the, we're talking about names that you thought you'd, like, left in the past. Like, the Trent Thomas has. Trent Thornton. Trent Thornton. Like, it's like, are, we're still playing these games. We're still, like, we haven't been able to produce anyone who's just, like, replacement no. level in terms of depth to come up and just be like a new body that you don't have all these negative thoughts associated with right away. Like that's not good for the Blue Jays fan psyche, let alone the players psyche where it's like, oh, it's still Trent Thornton, right? Like honestly, and no one's doing their job. You look around, like you could you could point at every single player now, basically, and it's like, oh, you're, you're not pulling your end. Like maybe you want to... Maybe Whit Merrifield doesn't apply. No, but maybe, he didn't play. Maybe Bo Bichette doesn't apply. But everybody else, everybody, mm-hmm. look around. Kevin Gosman, everybody else, look around. And it's like no one is doing their job to the best of their ability right now. So while you might be a little disenchanted by the fact that Trent Thornton is now <laughs> logging some meaningful innings for this team, it's like 
if if you guys had done your done your part, if you had lived up to your expectations, maybe you wouldn't be in the position where you're in, where it seems like everyone is just looking for a lifeline on this roster, and it's not a good place to be. A, a tough Jose Barrios start. Um, he obviously had a short outing because he already threw a hundred pitches. Uh, quite early in the game. He was fighting it a lot. Then he comes in, and we see a lot of bullpen. Today we have Kikuchi, who, you know, he's been pulled quite early in his last couple starts, and he was frustrated in one of his last... I don't know if it was the last one or the one before that, but visibly in the bullpen. Um, after he got pulled shortly, I think it was around 80 pitches. Like, they're not giving him a long leash, and today they kind of need to at least have him pitch five innings because it is it is a slim picking of... Folks that can come in before hopefully Kevin Gosman can really get a, a lengthy outing on Wednesday. They do have an off day between that, but it's not getting easier. It's um, they have they have what could be considered an easy schedule coming up. But when you look at it, the Oakland Athletics, like you need to win that series, you need to sweep that series, or else we're coming on Monday morning, and I think like we'll be having the conversation of like we might be taking callers. If they don't sweep the, se- the se- series against Oakland Athletics this if weekend. If they don't sweep, you got to be able to pitch to win a game, let That's alone what I'm saying. Sweep. But it's the Oakland Athletics. And then think about it. Last week, I was talking about how they could not lose a game. So the Oakland Athletics are not just a team that you can roll over. Like, they were hot. I, I don't understand what happened to them last week, but they won like six or seven in a row. And they got they got good all of a sudden. They got the Giants, but then you got the Red Sox. And l- listen, like the Red Sox were out of the picture a, a week and a half ago, and they're a half game behind the Blue Jays all of a sudden after they swept the yeah. Yankees. The Red Which Sox, is good, chasing the Yankees. Sure, but the Red Sox are now chasing you, and they're half a game behind you, so it is not getting easier for the Blue Jays. You have some massive must-win games coming up, and today, of course, is another one. Like I don't know how you bounce back from losing a 6 nothing lead and then getting absolutely embarrassed 11 nothing. Like Something needs to change. I don't know if it's someone in that locker room needs to go and show some emotion maybe they need a a drastic change in the batting order like i don't really know what the missing piece is and they got to find it fast oh well the uh, the opponent doesn't matter frankly like Mm -hmm. uh, uh, would you prefer it to not be the tampa bay rays up next on the schedule sure but it honestly does not matter because the way they are playing the way that they are pitching more specifically you're not beating anyone like there are lesser lights in major league baseball there are maybe historically bad teams Mm -hmm. that are right ahead of you on the schedule but if you play the way you have been playing if you pitch the way you have been pitching at least over the last what 15 innings more specifically most specifically then you have no chance you are not going to beat any major league team the way that you are pitching or the way you have pitched over the last two games uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays. Like, it does not matter, and it also does not matter if you can't hit. And maybe there will be some more meatballs to hit against a team like the Oakland Athletics, but that is, I mean, that is complacency to its to its fullest. I mean, this team has to fix themselves if they're going to get wins at this level, everyone from an individual level has to look at themselves and be better or they're not going to get better. It's 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 not about the opponent. It's not about who you're chasing. It's not about who's chasing you. They're not going anywhere unless they fix themselves because right now this is as bad as the team has played all year long. And it's been an immensely disappointing couple months of the season. So I will say Miami. So Miami's red hot right now, of course. And there's uh, they're... they're... <laughs> Frankly, they've just played a little bit of a softer schedule, and they from that 
gained so much confidence, so much momentum, and they look like a powerhouse. So if you're looking for something that the Blue Jays can maybe replicate, it's find an opportunity to get some wins in this little softer, and I'm using air quotes because, yeah, watch, the Oakland Athletics are going to be the hottest team in baseball, and the Red Sox are hot, and the Giants are going to come in and steamroll everyone. But you need to find some relief in the schedule to build momentum the marlins just did that and now they're red hot and they're rolling so if you look for anything it's start small it's winning it's getting a good start in the first inning it's getting on the board first that'd be a great start and then it's building on a a good pitching outing by kikuchi then it's kevin gosman coming in then you got an off day and you're back home like that that could be a really good three-day stretch for the blue jays if they can find a way to do it but You mentioned pitching has been brutal. This is the roulette. But last night, hitting once again. These are some stats from Sportsnet Stats who they just, they come on my um, Twitter feed right at the perfect time. It's like they finish your sentences, right? Like, what are you thinking? And you're you're like, like, oh, that's that's the answer. You're like, it seems like the Blue Jays leave a lot of runners on base. Well, then Sportsnet Stats is like, well, here, here you go, Ailish. Blue Jays have left an MLB high, 538 runners on base. This was during the game, so that number is now higher. Mm-hmm. The Blue Jays are batting 160 with runners in scoring position with zero out since May 1st, which is 29th MLB, and that was during the game, so that is already <laughs> a worse stat. Yeah. So when you watch these games and you're frustrated as a fan and you're like, it just feels like there's no clutch hitting, there's no momentum being built, it is justified by the stats. So you could feel, you can rest your head at night knowing that your eye test is the numbers backing it up as well. Uh, here's the issue because like you can kind of like again stats completely self-serving you can pull, you can disregard some things and support and highlight other things in order to support your argument and I get all that stuff like you could just look at home runs alone and be like wow if the blue jays gave or hit as many home runs as they've allowed or it was reversed mm-hmm. where they have a positive home run differential everything looks completely different yeah. and the same could be said about hitting with runners in scoring position but when you do none of them when you're deficient in all these categories that are pretty key in terms of scoring runs and keeping runs off the board yourself, I mean, that's only going to add up. So, yes, if they were better with runners in scoring position, things would be better. If they were the same with runners in scoring position, but, hey, you hit a lot of home runs, things would be a little bit different. But they're not doing any of those things because they're a bad hitting ball club. Like, it's really, really simple. You can point and, and select whatever you want. The fact of the matter is this is not a good offensive team. Mm-hmm. It's not. It may be on paper, it may be by some metrics, but in no way can you make the argument this season that this has been a plus lineup. Like, it just has not been. And I see this argument all the time online, and I had space for it maybe like two weeks ago, and I don't anymore, about how hard Vladdy's exit velo is, how he's having the hardest hit balls, and it's like I get that. If you slam it off the turf every single time you hit it, it, it's getting frustrating. You're going to lose some of that exit velocity. And I'm always looking for, I'm always looking for the positives. You know that, but that that can't just be the one thing we're holding on to. He needs to produce better. Why did last year Bobichet got moved down in the lineup, and it was like, oh my god, they moved Bo down to seventh or sixth, mm-hmm. and that was when John Schneider came came around. So his guy. Why is Vladdy still? a in a spot that he's not performing. Like, you put Whit Merrifield up there, and and that was a bit surprising because he was mm-hmm. a lower the end of the lineup guy this whole time, but he's earned that spot. Vladdy hasn't. You know, like, like they, do you need to make some sort of shakeups? And maybe it starts with that. Like, demoting, I know that's a, maybe that's not the right word, but moving him lower in the lineup. Like, there needs to be something to spark There needs to be change. some consequence yeah. for 
in action. In action. It seems like the guys who have the most promise to them, like George Springer, you are pro- you are the leadoff guy. That yeah. is your spot. No hey. one's allowed to touch that. Right. Why not? It's George's. Why not? And he's been struggling this mm-hmm. year. He's had moments where he's been okay and turning things around a little bit, and then he takes a couple steps back. Vladdy, the same way. You're guaranteed to hit in the top four because you're Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Same thing with Matt Chapman. Maybe by necessity because, hey, you know, Kevin Kiermeyer's not going to hit out of you, and Dalton Varsho shouldn't in any circumstance. But you put Spencer and- Horwitz, who's like – Second ever MLB and, and, and game in so, fifth. Well, so. there you go. I guess there has been a slight demotion for Matt Chapman, but those three guys are the ones kind of promised things, at least yeah. it seems. And those three guys, for the majority of the season, large portions of the season, have really, really struggled and have really, really uh, struggled to hold up their end of the bargain, hold up their responsibilities. All three of them. I mean, Matt Chapman's been terrible for months now. Maybe yeah. not months, almost months. Two months. Two months. Two months. He was terrible for two months. He was great for one month. Vladdy, we know, struggling. Springer, he's not. You could do cost per whatever if you want with George Springer. Gets paid a lot of money. He's not necessarily living up to what his price tag would be. This team has a lot of problems, and I don't know how you address all those. Like, you don't, do you completely shift the lineup? John Schneider's trying. He's making small tweaks, but it's stuff like, hey, can Dalton Varsho hit third for us tonight? Can Whit Merrifield hit second for us tonight? It's not like enough. it's not, it's not, it's not a full measured approach to changing things up. And I'm, I think it's really lazy to be like, oh, this is John Schneider's problem. He should go. <laughs> it comes down to the individuals. Like, mm-hmm. what is John Schneider supposed to do about large portions of his lineup struggling individually in the way that they have been? I don't know what he's supposed to do about that. Bo Bichette hit 100 hits yesterday. Let's celebrate that. Happy 100th hit to Bo Bichette. No Luis Arias. So though. let's go to Luis Arias because this guy is... it. Like, we got the full Luis Arias experience mm-hmm. last night. And we talked about it a little bit yesterday, teeing up the game. Uh, absolutely incredible what he's doing. And the Blue Jays at the expense of it. Uh, he's back to a batting average of 400 after going five for five yesterday with a run, two RBIs, he just can't. He can't miss. He cannot miss. He is uh, one of the first players since I don't know the probably like the 1900s to be at this level of production so far. It'll be interesting to see if he can, can maintain it. Yesterday before the game, he had dipped a little bit, dipped a little bit to like 380, and now he's back to 400. But this guy mm-hmm. is absolutely um, an incredible feet right now for the Miami Marlins and they're rallying behind it. Like this is something that their team has like, I feel like the blue Jays need that right now. They need one good story. They need one good thing to be rallying around. And I, it's funny when you go on the text line in the morning and I, I scroll back a bit during the game, people text in and it is just hilarious, but I don't, I'm not like blaming anybody, but the amount of people that are like, bring back the home run jacket, bring back, you know, the fun in this ball, ball team and ball, mm-hmm. uh, this club and I agree, like, that just there's no fun happening, but understandably, you're losing a lot like, of nothing, right? Why but, are they not having fun? But no, I get it because they're, they're not performing they're losing. well. They're, you know, they're losing. If, if there's a home run jacket hanging in the dugout today, they have to hit when a home everyone run. arrives, they have to hit a yeah, home run. it's not going to be like, oh, we can have fun now. But like, and I and totally we're agree. Like, and that's I, not I'm not saying that that's the answer either. I just mean, like, everybody is miserable from the fans mm. to the team. But they're miserable because they're playing miserably. And so, what, what needs to change that? You need maybe something to rally behind. So, who's going to be that person? Is it going to be an immaculate cocoon? Gucci inning as uh, outing today. Is it going to be somebody that maybe Vladdy gets his first home run in ages and it's just something for this team to spark? But like Araya is obviously, we're not getting someone to hit 400, but 
you know, something starts small and the team rallies behind it. And the Blue Jays need one positive thing, I think, and they could start to make some momentum That's here. That is a great point. One positive thing. Luis Arise does one positive thing every time he's up at bat. Mm-hmm. Like, un- unbelievable. Like, remarkable, his yep. approach. What he did at the plate yesterday was stunning, to be honest. And it was just five singles. And, you know, George Springer started the year. Did he, five? Was it five in the first game or four? Anyway, he could he they couldn't get George Springer out, right? Yeah. But he was just blooping him in and kind of getting a little lucky. There's nothing lucky about Luis no. Arise's approach. And that's where I think the numbers just don't do a player like him justice. I mean, he's 37th in Fangraph's war. He's only been worth two wins mm. to the Marlins this year. It's crazy. He's hitting 400. Like there are 400. 36 players who have had apparently more of an impact on a rise. <laughs> and I, like, I just don't agree with that. Like, I, I, I understand home runs are more valuable mm-hmm. than singles in a 400 average. But think about what that does to a lineup. Like already, every time I'm going up there, if I'm Solaire and hitting know, behind him, yeah, there's someone you know on base. I have an opportunity to drive in a run. Mm-hmm. Like that is the, the one positive thing. If you could get the one positive thing, it becomes two positive things. Three, runs scored, games won. Like that, uh, that's where I just believe, like, and again, it's your exit velocity point with Vladdy. Like <laughs> you're clinging to something, but it's not mm-hmm. real. What's real is five hits in a 400 average from a leadoff hitter who constantly sets the table for you. And and that is so much more valuable, I think, than the 1.9 projected wins that uh, Fangraphs has given. Got Caleb Joseph on at 7:30, and we can kind of go through all of it. But someone that's been in this locker room, right? Like, what needs to change? What's the? Was this the tipping point? Was this the bottom of the barrel for the Blue Jays? I kind of hope so. I don't want to see what's worse than that. But Caleb will help, help us break it down at 7:30. Um, but the vibes are not good, and uh, we always take your thoughts and feelings at five ninety five ninety. We've got some texts in there already about about today. Uh, we can we can uh, go through some of this, um, but we would definitely want to get to the other Toronto sports news this morning. Uh, busy day. We also have Jeff Merrick, of course, at seven to help us go through. It'll be our last Jeff Merrick of the season. We're saying goodbye to some of our favorites. We it's, are. It's, a bit it's sad. time where the the vacations come for the big guys and. We'll find someone to fill in for Jeff. But mm-hmm. It's our last one. Um, Marla, let's go to Raptors. Ooh, this might be this might be worse. Uh, no, it's not worse, but it is it is not good. Maybe <laughs> that's not good. It's not good. So the Toronto Raptors. Um, okay, we're like two days away from the draft, and it's still quiet about what tangible things. But we're getting some conversation happening. Michael Grange had a great article up um, on Sportsnet course uh he's doing like a little primer of what's next what's coming and uh, basically saying that reports are saying that the raptors don't see themselves as inferior to the heat as grange says and that they are not going to trade from their core they're going to stand pat they're going to run it back in a sense and i think that is probably the last thing that we wanted well, yeah, I mean, maybe I mean, not the last, but maybe the lower end of things that I wanted. <laughs> I just wish they would like sort of identify problems rather than cross their fingers and toes and think they can be like someone else who's clearly better than them. Because mm-hmm. as much as they don't see themselves as inferior to the Heat, there are a lot of things that the Miami Heat have that the Toronto Raptors don't. Do you want me to run down those things? Yeah. So, so just to say that, so Grange says they don't see themselves 
as inferior to the Heat as, as a reference point to why they wouldn't be making yeah. any monster moves this offseason. And if you look at the standings, maybe you can convince yourself that because the and Miami Heat were when, also in the play-in and barely got through and had a difficult time with but Chicago. why is that inaccurate? The Heat have many things the Raptors don't have. Uh, they have guards, mm. right? Helpful. They have guys who play the guard position. Uh, they have shooting. They have guys who can shoot the basketball. Do you want me to name some of those players? Yeah, please. Uh, Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, Max Strews, uh, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. They didn't have, like Tyler Hero didn't even play for them. Uh, Jimmy Butler can shoot. Kevin Love can shoot. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Raptors cannot shoot. They don't have shooters. Uh, they have a rotation in Miami. Like they have uh, like multiple Cause players they can play. Like mm-hmm. a bench. Yeah, that's that's something that they can like rely on. Yeah. Uh, they have a star player uh, that is actually like a proven track record of lifting a team to heights that maybe you didn't expect them to go. Like Jimmy Butler going to two of the last four finals. I, I don't see anyone Experience. on the Raptors kind of lugging a team to mm-hmm. uh, you know heights that we wouldn't expect them to get to. I don't think Pascal Siakam's done that himself. A guy named Kawhi did that once. Uh, impact players that play no role in their most recent run. They have a couple of those, so they could be even better this year based on what they didn't have this year. Tyler Hero, Victor Oladipo did not play uh, in this run or did not play much. I don't know if Tyler Hero got in there for a second or not. And they also have one of the best coaches in the league proven. Uh, I don't think the Raptors have that just yet. We can be as excited as we want about mm-hmm. Darko. Uh, <laughs> they don't have Eric Spolstra. So to compare these two teams seems like absolute fabrication and misplaced optimism and really just an excuse to be like, hey, we don't have to make hard decisions because they're not so far, despite them being clearly much different in terms of their composition. This is like how teams are going to maybe be blinded by the Florida Panthers making this immaculate run. Sometimes these success stories are not an excuse to have inaction, right? The Miami Heat as an eight seed mm-hmm. making to the playoffs and making to the finals is is a really, really great story. We liked to talk about it, but it's not every recipe for every NBA team. Same with the Florida Panthers, same with the Phillies. Like we were already having Phillies conversations about the Blue Jays. Like they can Philly, there's Phillies their way into the world mm-hmm. series. This doesn't happen every year, right? The Miami heat had a special recipe that worked for them this year. And guess what? The Phillies didn't win and the heat didn't win and, and the, did Panthers the Panthers didn't win because they eventually ran into a team that was actually worth a championship. That was constructed like a championship team. The Raptors not only are not like the Heat, but they have a lot more off-season decisions that are the clock is ticking. Fred's going to hit free agency. The decline is player option, obviously, July 1st, open market. Gary's free agency is coming up. He has until today to decide on his player option. Hello, today, big move might happen. Uh, big information might happen. Jakob Pertl, who was a nice fit that you bought at the trade deadline. You got to figure out what to do with him. Uh, they might have this core that they could really capitalize on if they're willing to make the tough decision. They got the number 13 pick in two days at the draft. There's rumors about the number three pick being available. But if you're just going to stand there and maybe lose some op- opportunities some lose some players because you're going to look at the Miami Heat and glamorize what happened with them. It is the wrong decision to make. Guess, guess what the Miami Heat, by the way, are desperately trying to do? They're trying to acquire Damian Lillard because they need to be and better. get even better. And, also, they, and they have pieces they can probably move and satisfy they could do it. Portland with. Another tidbit that came out yesterday at the Toronto Raptors, which makes this even more frustrating, is that League sources are saying that the Raptors are frustrating to deal with. No, I don't mind that as much. Okay, but attempting to get blood from a stone in any deal that 
people are negotiating with, they're exasperated to, to have good conversations line. and to work with the Raptors. And I understand, like, I want that 25% to 40% of the time, right? Like, I want you to value your players to the highest amount because you want the biggest return. But we heard about how OG was the centerpiece at trade deadline and couldn't find the right package, right? Were mm-hmm. they were they being too greedy? Were they being too aggressive? I don't know. I don't know what's going on in those rooms. But if you're getting league execs and league sources saying that the Raptors are frustrating to deal with, you have some big decisions here that you might need to be playing a little bit nice. You might need to hear offers and and, and think about, are you evaluating your players at the same level as the rest of the league? I just think it's an interesting thing. I haven't heard that about Portland. I haven't heard that about... Uh, Miami, right? Why are we hearing that the Raptors are frustrating well, uh, to deal with? Uh, again, there could be some smokescreen stuff happening right now, right? Like, like Grange is pretty. That's pretty concrete uh, reporting from him. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to believe because they haven't actually showed us anything different than that. Like that, yeah. you know. There's like also there's there's uh, words that are supported by the action that we've seen in terms of like not wanting to turn over the roster. However, like I, I do think, hey, if they're ready to make something happen or they want to do something really. Uh, or secretly, and they're just trying to put this front up, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of understand that because you're playing a game, it's cat and mouse, whatever. I don't want them to just give away their players, though. Neither like, I'm, I. I'm, I am perfectly happy with them being pretty firm with their prices. However, you have to at some point recognize when you're going to have max value on these players when some team is going to be its most desperate generally teams are their most desperate in season when they're trying to win a championship when they look at the western conference and think hey we could be the best team here but they they said that every deal that was available would be available in the offseason so let's let's see the truth in that uh, and we were skeptical at the time but also maybe they just don't want to make a deal maybe they just think they're better than they really are Maybe they, well, think they do. That they think they're as good as the Heat. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they truly think that two teams underperformed in the Eastern Conference and they were one of them and Miami was the other. And look what happened when they stopped underperforming. Again, I think that is completely misguided, misplaced optimism. It's frankly probably an issue. Um, but in terms of them being like, hey, we're not going to just give you OG and Anobi, I'm okay with that. And I, and once again, I don't want, I want them to value their players extremely high. But I don't like to hear that they're frustrating to deal with because as soon as you hear that, I don't want to bother dealing with the Raptors. I'm going to go deal with the Golden State Warriors. I'm going to deal with anyone else because why would you put yourself in a position? Yeah, the Raptors have some great talent. But if you're hearing that they're frustrating to deal with and people are exasperated, not a good vibe. Not a good vibe around the Raptors. Um, Now let's move on to the next team with something that's comparable to what the Raptors have because the Raptors, frankly... What they have is not like world-beating stuff. But we do have another opportunity to talk some basketball just to tee it up later in the show. Um, we're going to chat at 8 o'clock with Pat Garrity, so former NBA Ford front office executive, current stadium NBA front office analyst. We're going to talk about what's going to happen in the next two days and onwards, the draft on Thursday, big decisions to be made, players opting out of contracts. Um, there'll be some, there should be some movement, so we'll tee that up a little later in the show. Okay. Maple Leafs. <laughs> Let's run the gauntlet. We're, we're slowly getting more positive. Yeah, I yeah. Think, I think right? we're going to end on it. And then we've got the A-list. Rock so. bottom Blue Jays. And it's yeah, always we're build, Josh's we're birthday. In the 6 so if you hour. get negative, you just think it's Josh's birthday, okay? Yeah. Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick discussing yesterday about the Maple Leafs bench. And let's play the clip on Sheldon Keefe returning as Maple Leafs head coach. 
In the end, it confirms what we'd suspected for some time, which is that Keefe is coming back. Mm -hmm. They haven't announced anything, but he's coming back. I believe that once Tree Living was hired, it increased the chances. And there was one moment where I kind of wondered if that's what the Rangers were waiting for. But generally, I've believed since Tree Living arrived that Keefe was coming back and that's going to be happening. He's coming back. Okay. Yeah, and he sort of prefaces that with, you know, the the Leafs are looking for an assistant coach, which would tell you tacitly that, hey, Sheldon right. Keefe is coming back because you you're not... You wouldn't go through that process and then yeah. be like, thanks for nothing. Yeah, you'd be starting with the head of the stake, rather. <laughs> or rather than, you know, just trying to find an assistant. So this is the offseason of the Maple Leafs. Kyle Dubas is fired or rel- relieved from his duties. Is there one change? And they are probably going to extend Sheldon Keefe. Looks like two to three year deal. And it sounds like they're going to run it back with the core four. So the Shanna plan, once again, it rolls on. Rolls on. Yep. And I think if you asked us the day the Maple Leafs lost in round two to lay out the offseason, I don't think I would have picked that mixture of moves. I don't think I would have predicted Dubas out, Sheldon stay. And core four stay. I mean, that's still time to tell on that. But right now, it's seemingly like even Shanahan called the core four and said, you're good. I just think that it's it wasn't what I predicted. And it might be the great move. But I don't feel the high level of confidence that this was the right plan for this offseason. And there's still time left. But it wasn't what I would have written out. This city's sports teams are allergic to change. Like the only the only change... Could be that just Fred doesn't want to be here anymore with the Raptors Mm -hmm. and that Kyle went for Brendan Shanahan's job and therefore he couldn't be here anymore. And I don't know what the Blue Jays might do. I guess they're a little bit closer to, you know, impulsive when they actually made a managerial change last year. Um, But when it comes to the Raptors and Leafs, like, yeah, they're just very, very resistant, reluctant. And when you just see teams like the Vegas Golden Knights who spare no expense, what was it? Blood from a stone, like mm-hmm. they're doing that in order to make incremental improvement. Maybe there's something in the air at Scotiabank Arena. It's, it, it's, I mean, we were talking about this self-preservation being such a thing. Like, I honestly think because Kyle Dubas made his bed the way he did, that Brendan Shanahan sees, hey, here's another five-year plan and employment for five more years. I, it feels like that to me. Tre Living can come in and you don't have to do much. Because we got a pretty good thing, but we believe in you to make the incremental change that Kyle couldn't do. And that means, hey, save your coaching bullet. Save your Sheldon Keefe bullet. I do Let's think see saving how the it bullet, works. Like, so I'm, for, for Brad Living, it's very smart. Yes. It's, you, don't get, you don't get that many. You I mean, Brendan Shanahan again. gets a lot. Hmm. But if you're Brad Living, you don't get that many opportunities. And if they told you when you got this job that, hey, you can take your time here. You don't have to act hastily. You don't have to act impulsively. You can just take your time. Mm-hmm. It makes all the sense in the world to go back to a coach who's had an immense amount of success in the regular season and a core four that's had an immense amount of success in the regular season because guess what? They haven't failed with the supporting cast that Brad Treliving's going to put mm-hmm. around. So everybody's like, hey, let's pump the brakes a little bit. It's let's the get Austin Matthews sign. It's the easiest thing to do. And unfortunately, the hard things are the things that generally yield the fruit like we saw over the weekend with the Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights. Making difficult decisions often gets you somewhere. It may get you unemployed. It might get you on the unemployment line real quick, just as fast as you might with a championship. But what do you want as a fan of this team? You don't care that Brad Living is going to have a lengthy run of GM. 
you want the team to win. And unfortunately, I feel like they're making business decisions, both the Raptors and Leafs, making business decisions rather than the decisions that are desperate, like you have to be, in order to actually see change. I think this team is going to look good in the regular season. I think Trey Living will build a good team. I don't know if they're going to be any different when the playoffs roll around, though, because they didn't do anything to fundamentally change the makeup of the team. Talked about in the off, you know, after the year. Too much made of the core four. Players feel disenchanted by the core four. Well, guess what? It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you can't just and fake same it. Coach you can't who just loves be like, them. hey, that third liner, really important. You're so no, much more important than the it. previous they third don't liner. Believe is. It. No, because the same people apply. It's Sheldon Keefe. It's the core four. We'll see what your living does to support them. But to expect things to be different when no effort is made to change things, I just don't know why you would feel that way. And sure, Sheldon Keefe, and you mentioned it, has a outstanding regular season record. The best in NHL history among coaches with the last four seasons. That's wonderful. 166, 71, 0, and 30. But we saw him get outcoached in virtually every single playoff series that he's had with the Maple Leafs. And that is when it matters. Like, I don't care about them having a president's trophy regular season or saying that, man, they broke all these records when the main important thing is to win and they want a playoff round, but that's not good enough. And you're going to look around that dressing room. And this is the thing that gets me frustrated is the same people sitting in the same stalls, looking at each other with the same head coach thinking, well, here we go again. Right. And I'm not for change for change's sake, just to do something. But I do think the idea that the, the fire, the coach card is still in your pocket. That might be something that they have to deploy sometime this season because that might be like the pivot point. Remember last year they went on that road trip to the West Coast and it was like the road trip from hell. I think it was around Halloween too. It was just like spooky yeah, season. Everything sucked. It was and the we, second straight year that the Leafs started poorly under we, Sheldon Keefe. And we thought this is it. They're going to fire Sheldon Keefe and they didn't and they had a great regular season. They won a playoff round. But if that happens again this year, maybe that's the card that is ready to be played within the first couple months of the season. I'll be watching early. I mean, well, clearly we'll be watching, but like Sheldon Keefe, every time they get to start anew, it is bad. bad. It start is the playoff, wrong read. Start of regular start of playoff season. Game, start of regular season games. It's a pattern with Sheldon Keefe. Start and of if, games. If you a month into the season are looking at, are talking about a coaching change, it's even if happen. it's just like, hey, they'll recover again. They'll, they, they do it every year. They start mm-hmm. poorly and then they turn it on. But if we're talking about that again, they have no one to blame but themselves because they saw, they should have saw the pattern developing and Sheldon Keefe's weakness as a coach seems to be the starts. Uh, and again, he's recovered it. But if we're talking about that again, it's just like, what are we doing? And if he has to play that card then, then they mismanaged this. But they might have already mismanaged it in terms of what other coaches were available. Like the GM change was at a, a bit of a difficult time to then make a coaching change, right? If you're going to make the coaching change, you should have done it right when the season ended. You waited a month. Now there was nobody really available. So were you going to make a change and or grab? You, or, you, yeah, you shall fire Sheldon Keefe immediately. That's so it's I mean. like all these candidates are like, oh, the Leaf Jones 100%. That's, that, they missed the boat here. on firing Sheldon Keefe. So don't fire Sheldon Keefe now when there's no one else around. I'm I'm all for that. But who's going to be available uh, November 3rd? I don't know. Not anyone really different than is available now. So... We'll see. I mean, I'm not forecasting that. Maybe we should get the tarot cards. But there seems to be some conversations already about who could be the assistant coaches. Uh, Carl Taylor, Todd Nelson, Mitch Love named as suitors. We do have um, Jeff Merrick on in 30 minutes. So we'll just leave maybe the analysis of that. 
But I just wonder how different Sheldon Keefe might coach with a new GM. And maybe there is something there. Maybe there's a different toys for him to play with. Maybe there's a different atmosphere in that, I don't know, office because you have a different GM. But I can't see it being a complete flip of the switch. Maybe Trilliving does bring fundamental change to the group. Again, though, if your core four is there and Keefe is running the show and Morgan Riley's there and TJ Brody, we think, but we can get to that in a second. Uh, how much different can things be really? Okay, quickly, TJ Brody. <laughs> and we love Frank Valley. We had him on yesterday. I wish he would have said this on our show so we could have asked him. Come, Come on, Frank. He's got his own show to figure out. Okay, so Frank Saravelli, uh trending on Twitter yesterday because he made the following suggestions on his daily YouTube show, Daily Face Off Live. So I'm going to read it. Quote, there are a couple of sneaky buyouts out there, and one that I have in the back of my mind is TJ Brody of the Maple Leafs. It's a $0 cap charge for this upcoming season if you were to buy Brody out of the last deal of his deal. If you move off TJ Brody's $5 million and have $0 charge, yes, you need to replace him, but you could potentially give Brad Trey Living some money to play with. So Brody has one year left on his $5 million deal. Also, Matt Murray remains on an LTIR candidate mm-hmm. for Toronto. They, they're trying to move his contract so they can avoid using LTIR. That was the update from Frank Saravelli. Okay, so it's a little strange, right? Because C.J. Brody was clearly your best defenseman over the balance of the regular season, right? Mm, definitely. Uh, struggled in the postseason a little bit. Uh, did not hold up his end of the bargain uh, the way you'd want him to. But also a lot of pressure on him, right? Like you have to lead a shutdown pair and you may not have the right partner to do yep. it. I mean, I think uh, there are as many questions there are about T.J. Brody maybe coming out of the playoffs. There are more with Jake McCabe. He's paid far less, but Jake McCabe played worse, I think, than T.J. Brody. There is also the 2024-25 season. To me, I've always theorized this. It's going to be a wash. Like, it's going to be hard to be good. Because last year, Tavares, you're going to have to have Mm -hmm. new contracts with Nylander and Matthews. You're going to be looking at a new contract with Marner. There's, like, so much from a paperwork perspective that it's going to be hard to overcome the challenges in terms of team building. So, like, I get that, hey, you might want to push problems off to an already problematic season. I get that. But, like, why? (laughs) <laughs> why would you want to get rid of TJ Brody? He gets paid a reasonable salary mm-hmm. at only $5 million. Again, he's very, very productive, at least in the regular season. And I'm all about the, oh, what does he do in the playoffs? Well, he, you know, he's not been that much of a problem in the playoffs. His worst playoff, I think, was this past year yeah. when he was given a bit of a different assignment with a guy like Jake McCabe. Uh, I just don't know why you would go that route. However, when Frank says something, I listen. And Treliving has a history with TJ Brody. Mm. And I wonder if, for whatever reason, he doesn't value this player like maybe we were. Or maybe the role that he had under Sheldon Keefe was uh, just one that he could thrive in based on necessity. I'm not really sure. I just don't know how you get better by making this move. And I'm not sure why you'd have to buy him out when clearly, I think if you dangled him in the trade market, you'd be able to find a suitor. Oh, yeah. I think I think there'd be a lot of teams that would take on T.J. Brody's contract. Final year? For sure. He was a big part of this defense core that at times was mangled, went through a lot of issues, went through some major ups and downs last season, and T.J. Brody was very, very steady for this team. He is he is like one of the major staples of just the defensive shutdown opportunities that the Maple Leafs did have and thrived in, and he's loved by this team. I think that he's a really important piece I I would be absolutely shocked if they went that route. I, I think the Bride Trey Living connection is interesting. We could explore that further. I didn't really put two and two together there with their history, but I, I don't know. I would be, for me, 
an interesting start to your tenure like, as a GM it, to it, make that type of move. If you make that move, how do you justify having Connor Timmons on your team yep. and Timothy Liljegren on your team and pretty much anyone else who plays defense for Is the Victor Toronto Maple Is Victor Mete still on this team? Like, <laughs> I think his contract's probably up, or at least on July 1st. Like, if you want to fundamentally change the way your defense operates, like, I get it. TJ Brody. I look at the Vegas Golden Knights, I'm like, well, you don't really have a TJ Brody, and it's kind of working for you. Like, I get that. I understand those things. But how much change can you actually make? And what does buying out the final season of your most productive guy actually get you? I don't I, think I think much. just trying to get good defensemen on the team and maybe lessening the load on TJ Brody probably we would be the better path forward, at least for me. Okay, we'll chat more with Jeff Merrick about TJ Brody, um, what the Leafs assistant, assistant coach search is looking like, why Sheldon's just seemingly returning, and more. But we got the A-list after the break. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Now it's time for hey, yo. The A-list. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. The quickest A-list of all time. The quickest A-list of all time. It's Josh's birthday. Okay, let's take a break. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I do have a quick one here. Remember the big fishing scandal we talked about probably a year ago? Oh, yes. I actually brought this up when you were away. Oh, wow. Okay, so this is a new fishing scandal because I guess people... Can we be fast with this? Yes, okay. I'm going as fast as I can. Okay, um, there was the 65th Big Rock Blue Marlin Tournament in North Carolina, okay, this weekend, and one of the crew of the boat Sensation took six hours to bring in this big blue marlin. Um, six hours of battle. reeling battle this there. in. It weighed 619 pounds and four ounces. It would have would have won, would have won mm. $3.5 million in prize money, 2.77 for winning the tournament. And then when you bring in the first catch over 500 pounds, you win another $740,000. So I don't know what we're doing with our lives. We need to quit and go catch blue we marlins. We need to jam weights into fish. But... Don't, it was a fully official catch. They brought this fish in after six hours. They take a photo of it. They're excited about it. But there's some bite marks on the marlin. And apparently, you can't have any... It's got to be fully pristine. It, it, it has to be pristine. It can't have any missing fins or whatever. It, didn't, it wasn't like mangled to the point that it couldn't live. But it says that it, any mutilation to the fish prior to bringing it on the boat... Blah blah blah, means it's it's unofficial. It's because the fish got in a little tussle. It got in a tussle, and the fish was totally fine. They caught it, but I guess it just means that it's compromised in terms of reeling it in. Maybe it was easier to reel in the fish because it had been nibbled on. So they lost the tournament, and I actually feel for these guys. the The next one that won wasn't even close. So they lose after their six hundred and whatever nineteen pound blue marlin. Um, anything that penetrates the flesh of the fish doesn't count. And it would have been the biggest one in forever. Now the, the officials declare sushi, the name of this other boat, mm. the winner of the tournament with a 485 pound F- fish. Fish should not be 620 pounds. Like imagine you're just swimming in the that's ocean. That's actually disgust- like, like so a scary. a regular looking fish, that's 620 pounds. 271 boats you. took, pl- this is a big tournament. And they lost 300 300- Something million dollars because of a nibble on this marlin. It was a nice fish. You got to check it out. But you can't even tell. Like, they had to examine this thing, and there's, like, a nick on its eye. Brutal. Anyway, sorry about them. Jeff Merrick, after the break. It's Josh's birthday.
and the vibes will get higher, hopefully, with Jeff Merrick. That's next.